I'm not saying we're accepting bribes. I'm just saying, like, a little cash never hurt. From the city that brought you the factory of sadness, now comes the House of Bliss podcast. House of Bliss. Bliss Bliss. Bliss. I'm the Bliss Commander. You're my boy, Bliss. <laughs> and this is the Bliss Cap. No, what? Bliss Captain. I think I'm the commander. Bliss Captain. Yeah, you're the Bliss Commander. Okay, yeah. that's right. Bliss Commander in Chief. Yep. And I've got a name. I guess you do. Yeah. yeah. It's Mark it's Montoya. No. Mark Duman. Mark Duman, <laughs> Mark Duman Mark like Truman. Right. Yep. I legit just forgot it for a second. That's <laughs> how my brain works. <laughs> I, I space on names all the time. <laughs> yeah. I forgive you, Cole. Uh, wow. Well, we have got a saucy, saucy topic for you today. Before we dive into anything, I would just like you to just start this podcast off. Say something inspirational. Uh, blade of wheat on the mountainside. It's blown over by the wind. <laughs> Somebody needed to hear that today. And uh, I, I get a prophetic inclination that some of you out there feel like you are a blade of wheat being tossed to and fro on the side of a mountain. The Lord wants you to know he's with you in this season. He's going to get you through this season and that you're more than a conqueror through him who uh, gives you the strength. Well, that was that was more inspirational than I could have even asked for, imagined, or dreamed for. Wow! And that's just straight out of Ephesians. Um, I had a Super Bowl party. You were there. It was good to see your face at my Super Bowl party. I was. You know, I think I only made it out of the snack wing for like maybe five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> there. So, uh, for those that don't know, Mark and I are part of this really fun. Um, I guess you could call it like an inner city ministry gathering group and our church has that's the condensed way to say it <laughs> yeah our church has this really cool uh gallery that it owns and it's so it used to be a funeral home but now it's an art gallery which is fantastic and it's kind of divided into a few different rooms so in one of the rooms which i don't know i guess that would be the uh, the not the embalming room there is an embalming room no this is like I guess the body display room or something. I don't know. But that's where we had the the snacks. The main room, right. Yeah, the main room. We had the snacks going with a huge spread. And then on the other side, we had a big old TV projector set up with couches and everything. And uh, I think I only stepped foot in there for about five minutes. Yeah. The thing I can (laughs) tell about you, Cole, and the way that you do your Super Bowl party is it's like if you spend so much time in the other room, the one that's playing football, you get just so overwhelmingly engrossed (laughs) in the game. Mm-hmm. It just is all consuming and it's impossible for you to get out of there. Yeah, you know, my wife says that um, football really consumes me and transforms me into a different person. Yeah. So I've got to really take a step back and just kind of try not to care so much about football. It's so true. Have you got any? Uh, I remember episode number one, we offered free coaching lesson, or not free, we charged like $25 or something. Have you got anybody signed up? Any uh, future quarterback prospects under your wing? Um, you know, it's ringing off the hook, but I just am too busy right now. I know we advertise uh, that, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I've just got so much going on with the band and with uh, running this podcast that I just don't have time. 
I don't have time. Go find somebody else to make your dreams come true, okay? I know you're, like, running up and down the stairs like Rocky, looking for that coach to come along and make you punch some meat. That's not me. I can't do it anymore. <laughs> if, I, I believe that if there's one thing we're really good at at this podcast, it's false advertisement. <laughs> I think like every podcast will have about two or three false advertisements in it. Yeah, but what's not a joke is I am actually offering guitar lessons, and I can do that online. And you might be like, well, who is this person that he should teach me guitar? Well, I'll tell you what. I can play more than a few chords. I'm actually... I think most would say quite good. And so hit me up online if you're looking to expand your guitar knowledge. I like that. That's good. And you, and, and you host supernatural songwriting uh, teaching sessions, too, from what I hear. Yes. And if you'd like to get the audio for that, you can subscribe on our Patreon. If you're not aware, you just hit the link in the description. And, uh, yeah, you basically are subscribing to different levels of monthly giving, and it'll unlock all sorts of different rewards. I had a blast actually putting out this last month's rewards. We did your famous buffalo chicken cheese dip, which I was so heartbroken didn't make it to the Super Bowl this time. Yeah. Uh, and Sorry. yeah, we had a whole list of like resources that we put out, uh, things that inspire us, books we're reading. Of course, every month yours is just Mystical Union by John Crowder. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> it's literally the it's... only book I ever want to read. Okay, here's a, here's a non-false advertisement. If you just want to read the best book ever. I mean, the Bible is really good, too, but, like, this book is so fantastic. Like, no joke. Mark and I are so into it. It's called Mystical Union by John Crowder. Yeah, there's not a year that goes by that I don't at least review the concepts in that book that it just blows my mind every time. If there ever was a book that would get you to stop reading your Bible, (laughs) this is the book. I mean, me and Cole have not read our Bible in years. Just kidding. So uh, it sounds like I didn't miss much with the Super Put Bowl. Put the laughter track. In. <laughs> it sounds like I didn't miss much with this year's Super Bowl, it, though. It was by all accounts probably for most people. <laughs> and I would, I would be in this boat. I would say it was the most boring Super Bowl I've ever watched. Well, for me, I feel like that's basically every year. So tell me why that is. What's going on? <laughs> what was so there bad was, about it? There was just no points. I mean, no... I, isn't there no point to it anyway? No, no there that's is. not what you meant. There normally is a point. <laughs> normally it's fun and it's enjoyable. The commercials were pretty subpar. I didn't really have any laugh out loud moments. And then the game had zero offense in it. So I normally normally like to watch offense and it was just like one punt after another. But So one of the only commercials I caught was I think I think the dude's name is Luke Luke Wilson, is that his name? Luke Skywalker well, he's, Wilson. He's uh he's just chewing gum and the the whole joke on this like Several million dollar Super Bowl commercial is that this gum allows you to get really close to people. (laughs) Like he's just like talking to them, and they're like, "You're too close." And he's like, "No, I'm not." And like that's the whole joke. Nice. If you chew our gum, you can get up in people's face. I didn't see that one, but I really like the Wilson brothers. Him and Owen, I like them both. Which uh, were they? Was did Owen Wilson make it into? uh... I don't think he was in a Super Bowl ad. No, okay. He's got a crooked nose, and I like that about him. I like that about him too. I can Mm -hmm. trust somebody like that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) No, who wasn't in a Super Bowl commercial? Which was also why it was probably the worst Super Bowl I've ever seen. Uh, Zero Chris Pratt sightings. Jeez, man, no wonder everybody was suffering this year. Yeah, you can tell everybody was down. I think that was the big thing. 
I think next year it's just going to be like a hundred Chris Pratt ads. Well, I think you're all still feeling the collective shock from the engagement. You know, it's like yeah. really there's no inspiration left anywhere anymore. That's true. That's yeah, true. I think I think we're sort of. I, I wouldn't call myself a prophet, but I feel like we're sort of entering into a whole separate <laughs> dark ages just because, like, where am I supposed to draw in- inspiration from as an artist now that Chris Pratt is taken? Yeah, there is not much uh, left to live for, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you heard there's it here, one, folks. <laughs> no, there's one message we want to get across today is it's all downhill from here. <laughs> I don't normally jump on the, like, end times preacher bandwagons, but I'm actually considering getting one of those survival buckets. <laughs> <laughs> I did not believe in the rapture until Chris Pratt got engaged, and I was like, "Rapture me now, Lord!" <laughs> yeah, there's nothing to live for. We get me got, out of this get hell. Us out of here. Get me out of this hell. Uh, yes. Well, it was good times. We had a good time. It was good to have you there, even if you don't enjoy sports. I always love ha- hanging out with you and a bunch of other people. Um, I do want to dive into today's topic because it's like a thousand topics in one topic. That's true. Listen, if you're listening. I know last episode, we talked a very long time about a lot of things, but I am telling you, buckle up, because this one is something that not only have Mark and I been passionately studying for years independently, but are also just super excited about in general. So it is going to take a miracle of God to get to... If this thing is under an hour, I will be surprised. I will yeah. be surprised as well. So. I'll, I will talk it over an hour if that's what <laughs> needs to be done. If there's one piece of feedback my mom gave to me, it was to make sure the episodes are longer. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I heard. That's the word on the street. This is this is for you. It's just not enough of me and you. So we're going to try and fit as much of me and Cole into this podcast as possible. This is episode numero Trace. Trace. Trace, Trace, which is very exciting. We're already to our third podcast. I believe that's episode san in Japanese. But my knowledge of Japanese numbers stops right there. So <laughs> there will be no more Japanese episode announcements. Yeah. That's three. crazy. san Yeah. Normally you always get to she, five. She, yeah, she. You normally get to five in any language. But hey, just three. Look, One, I'm just two, picking three. up what I can get from Sesame Street, and they don't do Japanese too often on there. So for all our German friends, we were uh, it's episode number dry. I have a question about that. How okay. do you actually say the number nine in German? Uh, nine, nine. No, that can't be right. No, I don't know. Because um, then they just get confused. Eins, zwei, drei, uh, sechs, zier, sieben, acht. I think it's neun. Like nine. Noin. It's close. It's close to nine, but I think it's nine. Okay. And that's probably totally wrong. <laughs> yeah, all our German uh, fans. We've just be. alienated our German <laughs> <Yeah>. audience. <laughs> Maybe if you made a better language. Yeah. <laughs> our numbers are plummeting in Germany as yes. we do this podcast. Right. Well, let's jump into it. Right. Um, why don't you talk a little bit about the Patreon support page? Because that's kind of how this whole podcast idea got birthed. Yeah. So if you don't know how it works, we this whole thing is run and fueled on, besides coffee, also a page called patreon and it gives you the option to select a monthly tier of giving and that will unlock a whole new door full of goodies for you all kinds of fun stuff and uh, one of them for the $25 a month and up crowd is they get the chance to actually call in and uh, I don't know how to do a call in so I had them leave me a voicemail message and we're gonna play that for you and they got to ask a question that they want us to ask and uh 
you know, some of the questions might just be silly, and we'll definitely talk about that, but I loved this question as soon as I heard it, and I don't have it pulled up, so let me get it here for you. All right. This is from our patron, Justin. Shout out to Justin and Jess. Thank you so much, guys. Whoop, whoop. I also have a pretty nice, a pretty schnazzy Airbnb from what I hear. <laughs> Talking about Ruth's Place, Ruth's Place, ooh, ooh. Ruth's Place, ladies and gentlemen, if you're coming to Cleveland and you need a spot to stay, Roos Place is the place to be. It is conveniently located in a, I'd say it's a pretty central location in Cleveland. You've got easy access to neighborhoods like Tremont and Ohio City. You can tackle that uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Mm, Cole, you've been there once or twice. It's developing quite a reputation for speeding along the marriage process. So if you're a Ruth and you're ready to lay at someone's feet and just move things along, your Boaz is waiting for you at Ruth's place. Oh, <laughs> yeah, we will book your Boaz if you, <laughs> you book a spot at Ruth's place. All right. That so- could be our thing. We could like supernaturally set you up with your spouse. Wow. Man, they're making big promises. Like I don't. I think we might legally get entangled in some trouble if we promise that. With so. God, all things are possible, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, shoot, I can't argue with the Bible. Yeah, let's uh, take it up. The let's hear what Justin. All right, yeah, let's talk. Let's about hear it. what Justin has to say about um, stuff. Hey, Mark. Hey, Cole. Thanks for the opportunity to ask a question on your show. I was just reading in John 15 today about how Jesus is the vine, the true vine, and his father is the uh, keeper of the vineyard and we're the branches. And it goes on to say, if you live in me or if you abide in me and my word, uh, my words abide in you, then you can ask for whatever you want and it will be given to you which is a pretty cool offer. So my thought was, let's dig into that. What does that really mean? What are your thoughts on what does it truly mean to abide in Jesus? Thanks. That's good. Thank you, Justin. Good question. That's a great question. I loved it the second I heard it. And uh, I don't know what your motives are out there, Justin, but it sounds like you're just trying to get a Corvette. You want to know... How do I get the word of God to abide in me so I can get my fancy car? Oh, absolutely. I call it the Christina Aguilera theology. <laughs> like a genie in a bottle. Yes. You gotta rub them the right way. Get yourself that Corvette, Justin. <laughs> what song is this? I've never heard this. I'm, you have I'm, not I'm, heard listen, Christina listen, Aguilera listen. like a genie no, in a I've bottle? No, I've heard of her. Oh my God. No, listen, I'm I'm woefully out of touch. And with you pop call culture. yourself a musician, Cole. <laughs> no, 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 because because with the advent of uh, streaming and Spotify and stuff, uh, music nerds like me can live in our own um, oh, yeah. self-made shelter of things that are actually worth listening to, and I don't have to hear this stuff. So uh, no, this was pre-Spotify, Cole. I don't remember life without it. So oh, right. <laughs> well, anyway, Justin, great question. Uh, this is opening up a whole can for us because I think that when I think about the question, what this really comes down to is uh, desire. When you hear something God promising you like, uh, you know, you can ask for anything that you want, that immediately hits us uh, as 21st century American Christians as just a very crazy, outrageous thing to say. How could that possibly be true? And uh, I think that it comes down to like, what exactly are you 
do you find yourself desiring? And so we're just going to kind of unpack that today. Do you have any like immediate thoughts on that, Mark? I do have an immediate thought, Cole. And I think like part of the question too that it comes down to is a lot of times we as Christians are scared to trust the desires that are inside of us. We always want, we always kind of find ourselves in maybe a wrestling match with, is this desire born of God? Is it good? Or does God have a different desire? So I think like a big part of this podcast is going to be bringing people to a place where they can trust the desires that God has put in their heart. I think that what people don't realize is that when Jesus says that command that you can ask for anything in my name and it'll be done for you, he actually says that five separate times in his last sort of discourse with his disciples before he's going to be crucified. And so if if Jesus is saying it five times, I feel like it's something to clue in and pay attention to. What I love about it is each time you look at it, um, Jesus adds a little more to it that kind of gives you a bigger picture of what he's trying to say. So Justin's question was centered around John 15, and what happens with these chapter markers is we forget that this book was not written, well, A, not in English, uh, sorry, King James people, but also not written with these breakup points. And so sometimes they hit in really unnatural spots. Like this is actually part of a whole like speech that Jesus is giving his disciples. And then if you just kind of like stop and close your Bible, you kind of miss that it all has a big theme to it. So the first, one of the first things Jesus talks about his disciples are like, Jesus is talking about the father. And one of his disciples says, Jesus, show us the father and that'll be enough for us. And he says, Hey, haven't I been with you all this time that you don't know that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And then he ta- he's saying, if you don't just believe me, believe the works that I'm doing. Um, so he's really kind of talking about miracles in this instant. So uh, this is kind of clue number one to what Jesus is talking about. What are the works of Jesus, Mark? He's going around healing the sick. He's raising the dead, cleansing cleansing leopards, uh, and yeah, the leopards. <laughs> cleaning the spots right off oh, of them. Oh, my goodness, and, yeah. uh, casting out demons. He's also clothing the naked, you know, feeding the poor, um, speaking up for the oppressed. Like he, it's, it's this whole thing that Jesus is doing as the Messiah is bringing liberty to captives. And so he's saying, if you don't just believe what I'm telling you, look at what I've been doing all this time. And then he says, I'm leaving basically. So, well, he's not really leaving. He's coming to us in the Holy Spirit, but he's saying, I'm going to take off. So any uh, of these things that you've seen me doing, these works you're going to do and greater because when I go, you'll ask the Father anything in my name. So let me just pick that up. Um, it says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So the first thing to note is that it's asking for anything that glorifies the Father. So I'm not saying there's not a time where asking for a Corvette will you know, not glorify the Father, but generally speaking, like he's talking about we're looking to um, make God's name great. And God is so good. So it's really anything that points to goodness, anything that shows off the nature of God is radical generosity and radical love. And like he cares about the little things and the small things, like anything that uh, is on the heart of God, when we ask for it and, and we receive it, if it, if it makes God look as good as he really is, is kind of the point I'm trying to make here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Point taken. 
And then right after that, he repeats it again. He says, "You may just in case you missed it, he's saying, uh, you may ask for anything in my name and I will do it. So what a cool like blank check. So he's talking about anything that fits in the context of bringing liberty to captives. He's giving you an unlimited check. He's saying like, use your imagination, have fun with this thing. You know, Mark and I were kind of talking before we hit record a little bit. Like, sometimes we have this thought that it's like, it has to look like Mother Teresa, you know? But the thing is, like, I'm not wired like Mother Teresa. I'm wired like Cole Harmon. So what God is looking for, he's actually encouraging us to use our imagination. He's saying, how does it look when Mark gets a hold of this revelation and starts to believe really big things and ask me for really big ways that Mark can be a blessing? So, like, what would that look like for you, Mark? I think, like... For me, what what kind of stands out as we're talking about this is we're all our own unique representation of the Father. And so each of us is going to manifest what the Father looks like in such a different way. That's right. So for me, um, like I can say, like, I just absolutely love just sort of how the Father just lavishes abundance on his kids. And kind of what I like to picture the Father, I like to picture like a big... A feast and a big celebration. Yeah. And so what I like to do a lot in my life, I like to create big parties, big gatherings. I want to make sure there's the best food there, mm-hmm. the best drink there. And I want to bring people together in an atmosphere of like fun and joy and just like celebration of each other and family. Yeah, I think one of the things that trips people up about this idea of abundance and prosperity is like uh, people want to take that and make it all about me and myself and my personal prosperity. But when you see what Jesus is actually uh, giving you permission to believe for, all of a sudden it's like, wow, how can I extend that to like my neighbors, to my friends, to my family, the nations? Like, so, you know, when uh, Jesus... Uh, multiplies the food. I mean, he made sure that there was so much food that there was like, you know, an excessive amount of leftovers. And like, that's what glorifies God is not a stingy amount where everybody just barely gets enough. But that man, when, when God throws a feast, there is so much ridiculous leftovers. And so when we start to get the idea that, wow, there are people out there that are not experiencing that, then God is not just snapping his fingers and fixing it, but he's looking at you, Mark, and saying, okay, great, you want to throw a feast? Here's a blank check. Ask for anything in my name, and I will make it happen. I will work with you to make that happen. So all of a sudden, Mark's like, okay, well, I'm talking steaks for the homeless. I'm talking like, you know what I mean? Like, let's just not try to think of like, what could I accomplish in and of myself, but what could I do like partnered with the Spirit of God with this amazingly a vague command like you can ask for anything in my name right yeah i think it's like cool with your own personal journey too cole like once again we're kind of talking about it doesn't have to look like mother Teresa. i mean it totally can like if that's the bend of your heart and you just have a real heart to minister to the poor to the homeless um in sort of a mother Teresa sort of way like absolutely go for it But we're just trying to open up a context that can look a lot different than that. And so like what I'd say uh, to that, like in your journey is you had this passion for music. Yeah. And it didn't look, it didn't have to look like Hillsong worship or Bethel (laughs) worship or church music looked totally different than that. But here once again is like, I know like a big part of your music is to sort of demonstrate the love of God, the love of the father to humanity. And so it's once again, it's a completely context 
completely different context for for how we're uh, sort of bringing about who the Father is to people. Yeah, yeah, no, that's good. I, uh, I mean, we'll probably get into this a little bit more later too, but with my music, I was kind of realizing that uh, a lot of what we call worship music it has a very one-dimensional kind of sound to it and a very select group of lyrics that are sort of accepted. And then we're talking about this infinite God range of beauty and God. I mean, if you want to look at God, just look at the nature that starting there, like look at just our country. You know, you go to the West Coast and you have these like massive snow-capped mountains. There's like deserts and deep valleys. Like in the middle of the state, you've got all these rolling plains and then you've got oceans and beaches and all this stuff. It's like God is so diverse. And I was like, it's like this little sliver of music that we say, hey, this is what glorifies God. That kind of like grinded my gears a bit. And I'm like, what if I had a band that was focused on just bringing this whole range of emotion? heavy music and happy music and light and and I just want to express all kinds of different ways to show love to God and Jesus is not ruling that out when he's saying ask anything in my name like it brings glory to the father right so he's saying if it if it brings glory somehow to God go for it ask for it because God is happy to write that check for you he is happy to Uh, And it may not all manifest right in the second that you ask for it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying, hey, God, give me a million dollars so I can do this and then it drop on my lap. But it's like as you move towards it, you'll begin to see like, wow, these doors are opening for me. This thing is going on. So when you look back on your journey, you'll be like, oh, wow, I can totally see the hand of God leading me there saying yes, yes, and amen to me. So that's amazing. One person that's really just inspired my life is a person by the name of George Washington Carver. And for those of you that don't know George Washington Carver's story, he approached God with this question. He said, God, will you show me the secrets of the universe? And the Lord was like, that is way too big of a question. And so the Lord, and then he went back to the Lord and was like, show me the secrets of a a human being. The Lord was like, that's way too big. And the Lord was like, why don't you start with show me the secrets of a peanut? And what ended up happening is George Washington Carver was a botanist after the kind of during the time of the Civil War and after the Civil War. Lord began to unpack a peanut to him. He ended up coming up with over 300 applications for a peanut. The crazy thing about that story is African Americans who were freed after the Civil War needed a livelihood. So a lot of them became farmers because that's what they knew. And George Washington Carver found that peanuts grew best in southern soil. But what happened is they ended up growing peanuts so well that they overwhelmed the market and that they couldn't get a a good price for their peanuts. So the fact that um, George Washington Carver was able to adapt over 300 uses made there to be or just really increased the the demand for peanuts and really helped uh, these freed uh, slaves after the Civil War. See, and I think that is really touching on in a beautiful way, sort of like the thesis of what we're unpacking today is like, God, God's goal, God's like thing that he's always up to is restoring the planet, you know, setting captives free. And like he, he didn't, George Washington Carver didn't come to him necessarily and say, hey, show me a way that I can bring prosperity to all these slaves. What he had was this curiosity, that God-given curiosity placed inside of him. And a lot of people could have looked at that and been like, oh, that's selfish. You're trying to learn all this knowledge. But because he just went with it and asked the Lord, God said yes. 
and uh, it ended up having this amazing effect that looks like just such a genius way that God can bring what he's looking to bring to all these different um, former slaves. So I, I love that. I love that. So moving on. Um, so now we're getting to the verse where Justin's question comes in, saying, abide in me uh, and you will bear much fruit. So he says, this is where it goes down. He says, you did not chose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that. So this is like what Jesus is excited about, that we would go and bear fruit and fruit that will last so that everything you ask in my name, the Father will give you. And this is my command, love each other. So let's talk about like the fruit of the Spirit for a minute. Mark, you know what they are, right? Okay, it's love, <laughs> joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and self-control, I think. Yeah, there fantastic. Might be others. So a lot of times our, our concept of like fruit is, did you get a lot of people saved, or did you build something really big and important or whatever? But really, um, at the heart of the heart of the heart behind what God wants for us is simply that we would live lives that are filled with His joy, His peace, His goodness, his patience, you know, all that stuff. And all of that added together will always equal a life that is um, bringing restoration and, you know, and and hope. It's going to look like Jesus. So a lot of people are uh, concerned that the will of God for your life is something so detailed and sovereign, like, I appointed you that you would be a plumber. And it's like, no, no, Jesus said, I chose you so that you will bear fruit, right? So the point is not that God's trying to control what you do and what you desire. It's actually much wider than that. His will for your life is that you manifest fruit, uh, manifest, you know, joy and peace. And so in that, if the things that you're asking for uh, lead to more joy, more peace, more patience for you or other people, that's totally in. That's Again, it's that blank check. God's like, I like that. See, that idea right there, that is going to help produce more self-control in people. So I say yes and amen to that. Does that yeah, make sense? I say yes and amen to it as well. <laughs> right. Well, if Mark says it, I believe it. That's how I live. And one thing that I would say, too, to that point is a lot of people wrestle over what is my God-given purpose and destiny. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's like a popular sort of topic that's preached on quite a bit is God's got a plan for you. God's got a destiny for you. So a lot of people wrestle with this, like, what exactly does that mean? Like, what is my specific occupation that God's put me on the planet for? And a lot of uh, a lot of times the advice that I give to people is that God's destiny for you is beyond an occupation. It has less to do about what you do, and it has way more to do about who you are. Right. And so as you begin to see the truth of who you are, how God designed you, um, the perfect image of Jesus reflected on the inside of you, it honestly, it doesn't matter necessarily the occupation. You just get to bring the kingdom uh, with whatever environment God plants you in. Yeah, Bob Jones has that famous story where he died. <laughs> <laughs> where he died. The first time or the famous... eighth time, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, he like he meets Jesus kind of face to face, and Jesus doesn't ask him like what he did. He asks him one simple question, like, did you learn to love? And that changed his entire outlook on life. And so when Jesus is saying for the third time, ask for anything you want in my name, and he says, this is my command, love each other. So it's not about whether you're a plumber or a preacher necessarily. It's about um, are you one of those plumbers or preachers that loves people well? And if you are, you know you're in the will of God. 
You know what I mean? And of course, like he can direct you. He's big enough to be able to talk to you if you're <laughs> if you're just like dead set on having a rap career. And God's like, oh man, like actually, that, <laughs> I don't know. Like he can Dude. push you and nudge you in that direction. Yeah, you're killing my hip hop career <laughs> dream goal. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Let's not put that on the altar. <laughs> like one thing I would say too. I think that was the verse, and maybe it's just a little bit before where Cole was reading, but it says, "If a man abides in my word." And I just want to pause on that just really briefly. It just says, like it talks about Jesus. He's the word of God or he's the word made flesh. And so I just want to touch on that concept that what does it mean that Jesus is the word? Well, to me, part of what it means is he's the logic of God expressed through the person of Jesus. And it talks about earlier in John 15, it talks about his word prunes you or it cleanses you. And so one thing that's very intrinsic to Jesus being the word of God, this word that was made flesh, this incarnated word, this logic of God expressed towards humanity, was uh, it was meant to present to you your innocence, your beauty, um, the holiness, the righteousness that he sees intrinsic to who you are. Basically, part of the word that Jesus was, was to proclaim himself in every individual. And so as you connect to that as the truth of the core of who you are, it begins to, it cleanses you, it washes you, it sets you free, and it really puts you into a place where as you see Jesus truly for who he is, and it's the truth of who I am on the inside of me, it really allows you to begin to trust the desires that flow out of your heart. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We have this idea that God is, uh, is, is mostly a serious being, uh, oh. <laughs> which I don't know. I really don't know how that happened, uh, because I'll, I'll just, I'll just read you this right here. Okay. The next two times that Jesus drops this thing that you can ask for anything in his name, listen, listen to the context that this is in. He's talking to them about how he's going to die. He's going to die and be taken away from them. And he says, you will weep bitterly. It will be an, He's going to rise from the dead. And then it says this, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice. He's not talking about the second coming. He's talking about he's literally going to rise from the dead and come back to them in just like a few days, you know? Uh, So I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. And that day, the day coming very soon, uh, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Um, until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy. This, this is what he's saying. This is why. So that your joy may be made full. So Jesus is not just saying, ask for stuff that you think God is going to like. That's serious. You know, God, please give us a church building or whatever. It's like he is saying, I'm writing you this blank check. Ask for anything in my name that your joy may be made full. And I think this is kind of the counterpoint to like when you're uh, in tune with the heart of Jesus, you're not going to go around with yourself as the main focus, right? You're not going to be self-centered, but you're actually what's going to get you excited is seeing the world around you bless. However, He's also saying that he's saying that you can ask this so that your joy can be full. God actually wants you to experience joy. So if you asking God for something um, is going to bring you joy, God is ultimately behind that. And we're not talking about like this fleeting sense of comfort and happiness. Like I can ask God for a bag of potato chips, but that's going to be here and gone 
in about five seconds, but he is think, looking for things that are going to bring you that lasting joy. So we have this crazy religious distrust of things that bring us joy, yeah. right? We're like, oh man, if I like it, uh, it must just be me and my selfish desire. It's like, no, no, no. In a sense, this is like a godly sort of endorsement of things that you like. You know what I mean? Like he likes what you like. He likes to give you things that make you happy, right? Yeah, that's super good. And it actually kind of brings to mind just a story. I think like one thing that's important for you to recognize as like a human being is just begin to identify like what strikes in your heart as beauty. It could be a particular type of music. It could be uh, a particular type of food. It could be traveling. It could be um, just like culture that you experience as you travel. Um, it could be any number of things, but just pay attention to it. Kind of like one uh, story that just sort of that that just kind of talks about how the Lord really delights in the things that we find beautiful is uh, Bill Johnson has a story about how he bought a, a very specific guitar for his son Brian Johnson, and a lot of you know, but maybe you don't know. Brian Johnson is a very popular Christian musician, writes a lot of worship music for Bethel Music, and he talks about the delight he had in uh, as a father in just giving this very a specific type of guitar, very customized guitar for his son. Knew it was like, this is his son's favorite guitar. Just talks about the delight of, a, of being a dad and be able to gift that to his son. And then also talks about how, how tragically heartbreaking it would be for him to just take that guitar and then just give it to somebody else <laughs> and pass it off. Like, um, like I know that this was meant a lot for you to give to me, but I really feel like I should give that to somebody else. <laughs> right. And that's kind of how we approach God sometimes yeah. as Christians. Like we feel ashamed to be able to actually appreciate that something the Lord really wants to just give to us for our enjoyment. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it is, Bill, that I first heard talk about this, but the the absence of desire is not Christianity. That's Buddhism. Uh, the, the Buddhist... Uh, Tradition, is, what they're trying to do is achieve a state where they're not experiencing anything except presence, right? And they're saying, if I don't desire anything, then I'll be completely clean of like worldly struggle or whatever. The problem is that is that God actually designed our hearts to function that way. So there is something inside of your heart, it, like a child uh, it gets so much joy out of asking for something and then hearing the parent say yes and receiving it. Um, we're built in with this dependence on God to where when we ask and we receive, it, it actually touches on one of the deepest parts of our being. And another part with that too is like, again, I, I really love that George Washington Carver story you brought up because as far as we know, his first concern, again, wasn't trying to try to empty himself and be this selfless person he was just excited by his curiosity he's like i would love to know more about this and that ended up being a blessing so following the calling of god in your life is not always being consciously aware of how you're helping the world but knowing that when you do the things that make for peace and love and joy and patience and all that stuff, you will ultimately always end up being a blessing, sometimes in ways that are far beyond the scope of what you would ever dare to ask for. Yes. 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 <laughs> yeah, so to kind of sum that up, like this last thought, at the end of Jesus' little speech, uh, he says, all, I have said all these things to you. He repeats the same theme, that your joy may be made full. So Jesus is talking about 
This is the last sort of hurrah he has with his disciples. He's summing up his entire ministry by saying all of these things, all of the works, all the stuff that I've been doing. Remember, the announcement of Jesus is that it's good news of great joy for all people. And when Jesus leaves the planet, the last thing he leaves them with, right, is I've said all these things that your joy may be made full. God's highest concern for humanity is that our joy may be made full. Now, obviously, that's not talking about uh, this like the sinful type of joy, like this sort of fleeting happiness derived from things that are lesser than God. But we're talking about his type of joy, which is exceedingly above and beyond an abundant happiness like we could ever imagine. So anyway, yeah. Yeah, and I think people are a little bit like scared of joy, of yeah, happiness, yeah, right. because a lot of times it is attached to sort of this materialistic world sense of happiness that people realize, like, you know, there's a pleasure in it for a moment, but at the end of the day, it leaves you bankrupt. So like one thing it's just really important for people to understand is that actually the big part of the reason that you are here breathing on planet earth is that God wants to see you have happiness and fulfillment in everything that you do. Yeah. I mean, the whole, the whole thing that set Genesis apart from other creation stories at the time was that all of the other religions of the world, their, their sort of assessment of why this planet is here is that somewhere out there, some God or gods had some sort of violent conflict, and that's what produced this planet. But Genesis comes along and says, no, this God created because it brought him joy. This is God that actually delighted in and stopped to look back and say, ooh, sun and moon, yeah, that's good. Or uh, land and sea, ooh, that is good. Like, he had fun doing it. So even the... The, the creation itself has fun and joy built into it. <laughs> yeah, that's so good. And to kind of then use that and take that forward now to the New Testament, Jesus, he is the word of God. And once again, part of the concept be, behind he is the word, he is the logic of the Father that's being expressed. And it's that same exclamation point that Jesus is professing now over our lives. He wants to speak that it is good. Yeah. Who he's created, how he's made you, the desires that he's put inside of you, those are good, and he celebrates those things. So uh, we're going to move on to some common objections that come up to that. But before, I just wanted to say um, this, this, this concept is tragically neglected in the church. I, I don't know, before I started kind of getting into the stream I'm in now, I don't know how many times I ever heard a sermon on something like this where it was actually openly encouraging you having imagination and asking God and enjoying that process of getting desired answered. But what are some other scriptures that hit you that kind of confirm that? You know, is it just in this isolated spot? It's in that one (laughs) point of John 15 that the Lord talks about it. And that's the only point. Right. JK, LOL. um, (laughs) Raffle. (laughs) (laughs) Raffle indeed. 
Um, I'm going to read to you one of my favorite scriptures. And when I say one of my favorite scriptures, it's easily in my top 1,000 because I have a lot of favorite scriptures. I feel like Mark, you got to know about Mark. Every time he's about to read a scripture, he always one of my says, favorite scriptures. let me read you one of my favorite scriptures. Yeah. But I'm not even lying. It's actually still one of my favorite scriptures, but I just say it over every verse. Uh, it's the Passion Translation, which is a really fun translation. If you don't have a copy, you should get your hands on one. But this is Philippians 2, uh, verse 13. It says, God will continually revitalize you, implanting within you the passion to accomplish the good things. Here's the great point. That you desire, not that he desires, that you desire to do. Right. Which is pretty amazing. Man, that is so good. I, I cannot wait to get into the objections side of it because I can already hear. But what about, what about? But but just hear us out. Just hear these scriptures with a fresh mind that God will actually create the desire inside of you to go for that which is good in kingdom building, right? Here's another one. This is Second uh, Thessalonians. Man, I always, get, I always get first and second messed up with anything every time. One Thessalonians. Yes. That's how Two I always say it. Dos Thessalonians. Uh, <laughs> with, with this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and that by his power he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. So that thing inside of you that says like when you encounter a situation and you're like, man, I wish that this could happen there. Yeah, that is something that is born out of your faith. And the Bible is saying like, that actually came from God. Like God's going to give you the power to accomplish all of those little things that come up in your heart that said, I want to make this world a better place. I want to go for it. Yeah, yeah, but that starts with you. That's not God uh, declaring out of the sky, you shall do this, which is what we're always sort of looking for, isn't it? Uh, when you hear people like, I want to make sure I'm being spirit-led, right? But it's like, no, no, no. What he's doing is creating the conditions inside of your heart to where you don't, you know, I th- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get who said this wrong. But <laughs> right. forget who said this, but God uh, wants to get us to the point where we don't say, um, thy will be done, but he can say to us, no, thy will be done, wow. right? Like that's what God wants for us. That's that's his plan. It's it's not about telling us what to do, but creating conditions in us to where he can ask us what we want. Mm, yeah, that's really good. I think like another thing I just want to jump on really quick with this train of thought is God ignites desire within us for many reasons, but one reason is it's one of the primary ways that he actually communicates to us yeah. through our own desire and through the desires that he's generating. One person that does a really good job of bringing this about is a guy by the name of uh, Bertie Brits, but he talks about like one of the best ways or one of the most amazing ways that God communicates to us is actually inside of us. It's through desire, and he brings about uh, it in this sort of context. Like a father could speak to their kid or their son or daughter or whatever, and they could speak to them audibly, audibly, but that that might not register in their son or daughter's heart. It just might For be the in one ear. Listening, yeah, they know other, how that goes, <laughs> right? And so sometimes, like we come from this perspective, like the most amazing way to be able to hear from God is if I could just hear Him audibly speak to me. Like, I just would know it would just be so easy to perfectly discern, like, his will and his purpose and his plan for our lives. Well, we know, like, as parents, I'm not a parent, but Cole, you're a parent. You can maybe, like, track with this thought. Like, you can say something audibly to your kids, 
but it might not register in the in their core, in their heart. So what he talks about as like the most amazing way that God begins to be able to communicate with us is not audibly. I mean, sometimes you do have those profound experiences where he does speak to you audibly. But one of the most beautiful things is when he gets us to a point where he begins to speak to us on the inside, when it begins to bear witness in our heart. And so you can imagine like as a parent, if your voice is now inside of your son or daughter and it's beginning to kind of steer them towards a good place or or purpose or direction for their life, like that is way bigger than if it's just I'm speaking, you know, audibly to their ear. Yeah, I mean, th- this is like one of the biggest, biggest things that gets missed a lot by our, you know, 21st century, 21st century American folk religious ideas of God is that he's outside of us somewhere and that our prayers are this ethereal thing that floats out there to somebody who's primarily outside of us. But the radical, radical, radical claim of the Apostle Paul is that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that God lives on the in side of us and so it's not you know this is why jesus could look his disciples in the eyes and say i'm leaving but it's better that i go so that i can spend or i can send the holy spirit so how many of us catch ourselves praying like jesus i just want you to show up like just show up in my bedroom like if i could just have an encounter with jesus where he shows up to me in the flesh then i'll really or like man when i die and i get to see jesus in the flesh that's gonna be better but no he's saying the fact that god living inside of you listen hear this hear what i'm saying hear it just hear it listen You're not listening. Listen. (laughs) What you have right now with God living inside of you is actually better than what the disciples had with Jesus standing in front of them. But we are so radically out of tune with that because of what we've been conditioned to believe that we don't possibly see how that could be true. So, I mean, that's a (laughs) radical thought. But anywho, um, so, so let's talk about some of the common objections to this line of thinking let's talk about the haters out there. the haters haters be hating yep um one of them i hear consistently and constantly like a mantra throughout the world of christianity is they'll quote this scripture that says the heart is wicked and deceitful above all things and Golly darn it. If it doesn't grind me every time I hear that, because listen, you have to realize that there are two very distinct and separate and radically different uh, ages happening in the realm of scripture. And what was true in the old covenant is not true for you any longer, right? Uh, so is it, isn't it Ezekiel, right? Ezekiel. Yeah, so Ezekiel. the whole, one of the most amazing promises of the entire Old Testament is God is saying t- to them, um, basically that they're incapable of choosing him. So he's saying, here's what I'm going to do. There's going to be a day that comes where I remove this heart of stone from you and I give you a heart of flesh. And um, yeah, so basically he's saying there's going to be a new day. Now, what people always try to do is they take what very clearly happened in the person of Jesus Christ and put it into some future second day coming when we're off to heaven somewhere. But no, that reality came when Jesus Christ showed up and he said, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. And he died on the cross and we died with him and he gave us a brand new heart. But Mark 
Go ahead and unpack that a little bit. <laughs> yeah, here's what I'd say. Like, I mean, we talked a little bit. We talked actually for an hour and a half or something last episode about what is the gospel. Well, a part of what is the gospel was we had an operating system, and that operating system was completely corrupted. It was the Windows <laughs> Vista. Of, the Windows <laughs> Vista. <of> <laughs> oh, man, was it bad. It was probably worse than Windows Vista. Buggy as heck. It was horrible, horrible. So what God did, what, well, what God didn't do was he didn't take this Windows Vista and polish it up a little bit. Throw some patches on there. Present to you a brand new Windows <laughs> Vista. But he, he eliminated that operating system once and for all. And he downloaded with his Holy Spirit inside of you a completely new operating system. Now, one of like the, I like this concept. This is from Mystical Union. So this is a, a teaching I got from John Crowder. By the book. He talks about if any man is in Christ, he is therefore a what creation, Cole? A new creation. <laughs> right, new. Yep. Cole looked like I was he was really stumped. <laughs> I stymied Cole with my biblical well, knowledge. Part of this because I literally, I was going to take a drink of coffee and it just poured down my face under my new shirt. Oh, and poor I shirt. Kind of sucky about it. Well, at least we're not on video camera <laughs> for those at home to see that. Anyways, uh, John Crowder, he unpacks the word new and he talks about the word new there isn't in relationship necessarily to time. So we think of new, uh, being, us being a new creation as we were something old that needed to be replaced and then God... Uh, like updated. Updated. Like old Toyota. Yeah, yeah exactly. Toyota. So the concept would be with like a, a used car. We weren't this old, broken down Volkswagen car. And then Jesus came and he presented to us a, this brand spanking new shiny 2019 Volkswagen, he did something even far superior to that. The new there has a reference not to just time, but to substance. He made us an all new entity altogether. So the comparison now isn't we didn't go from old beat up jalopy car to brand spanking new car. The way he puts it is we were like an old, broken down, beat up Volkswagen, and now we are the Starship Enterprise. So if you're a, a Trekkie fan, you can relate to that. We're, we're like a spaceship. Like our capabilities are just like way beyond anything we can even ask, think, or like imagine. Yeah, it's it's new, completely in kind. So we were merely human but paul he even gets on people in one passage and he says why do you guys act as if you're just mere humans because we've been updated with something completely new so this is what it really comes down to okay what we had as human beings was an old wicked and deceitful heart but what we have now in christ is this reality galatians 2 20 for i have been crucified with christ and it is no longer I that live, but Christ lives through me. So Christ is actually borrowing your body, living out his life through you, pleasing the Father in everything that he does. So if you are still thinking like a human being, you're going to produce human human fruit, which is no good. But if you start to see like, no, this is your true self. This is your whole new reality. Uh, that, that's 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 what we're dealing with now. You're going to start to produce God fruit, right? Yeah. 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 That gets me fired up every time I think about it. That's just like such good news, right? Oh, absolutely. So if you want to read more about that, 
um, flip over to Romans 6 in your Bible because it declares like, uh, gosh, at, um, maybe almost a dozen times, like if, if he died, then we died with him. And this is why the gospel is not just a message of social justice. It's not just a message of uh, Jesus was a good teacher that influenced us. No, this whole thing is so much more mystical and beautiful than we could ever imagine that somehow in the death of Christ, humanity was present with him and he took it down all the way into the grave. And when he emerged, a brand new humanity came out with him. He was the firstborn of a whole new breed of human beings that are filled with the very God nature itself, right? Yeah. Amazing, amazing. So good. And like with that too, like, so what Jesus came to do was, it said in Adam, this is in, is it Romans 5? Probably Romans 5, maybe Romans 6. But it says in Adam, all died. We were all corrupted. Um, our, our hard drives needed to be replaced. Our operating systems needed to be undone. But it says then, in Christ, then all were made alive. All were bought, brought to the life. So... In him, like he, what was lost in Adam now has been retrieved in Christ. And so now we get to operate in this beautiful um, innocence and righteousness and purity. And and we can like see ourselves now with a holy, pure desire that rises up within us. Yeah, absolutely. I want to throw in one more quick objection that people Great. commonly have. What do you do if you find yourself having uh, sinful desires or desires for things that you know are clearly not God? Because no. what we're not saying is that literally everything that flashes across the screen of your mind is God and that every thought and feeling that you have uh, comes from that place within where God is. That That is kind of problematic, but I like how, honestly, how John Crowder puts it the best. He goes... It is weird. Yeah, it's weird that you would have a desire yeah. because that's not who you are. And as soon as you take yourself out of this realm of I'm a sinful being with all these sinful thoughts and you see yourself as a new creation, then all of a sudden you start to be like, wow, that's not how a new creation thinks. So it is weird that I had that thought. Yeah, but I can have permission to throw it out because it has nothing to do with me. It's not me. Like the me that would think those evil or mess up things is dead. So why would I acknowledge that as reality? Because as soon as I do, I put myself back under that, right? Yeah. And the way he puts it, which is really good, it's like when we think of sin and sin desires, it's so not natural for us. Yeah. And so it's sort of the same way if, if we walked around as human beings and we're like walking around outside and, and are trying to convince ourselves not to eat dirt, like don't eat dirt, like don't eat dirt. Like that would be a, a ludicrous thought, obviously. Like, of course we don't want to eat dirt. It's absolutely disgusting. That's the same way uh, when we talk about our hearts and our spiritual desires. Like, it's sort of ludicrous to think we wouldn't have any intention within our hearts to want to eat dirt. We wouldn't have a propensity towards evil, towards sin. So it's, once again, it's just really reconnecting to the truth of who we are as presented in Jesus Christ. Right. And two, like we were talking about earlier, in keeping it in the context of what Jesus is talking about, ask anything in my name, he's talking about the things that make for peace and for joy and for 
those are what your innermost being are wired towards. And even your flesh now, like you will feel it immediately when you go against the grain of that. That's and, really and good. even if you don't, you will feel it eventually. You so if you do something like say, you know, your desire is to sit around the house and smoke weed all day. Well, I would not argue that that is actually really your desire. I would argue that you're radically out of touch with what your true desires are, which are which is joy. Um, because God desires are always going to cause you to do things that produce joy. And when you go against that, you will ultimately not be brought more joy. It will actually make you miserable, right? Yeah. We've all been there. We're like, that right there is a testimony that something has changed, right? Uh, I, I remember when I first started to awaken to Christ, I used to smoke a ton of weed. And I remember kind of like in this in-between period of like, I don't know what this whole being a Christian thing is about now. I don't, you know, I don't know what this is about. So I just kind of was trying different stuff. And I remember one thing that I used to love was smoking weed. And I went back to it and I did it and I was, I was just miserable. I did it again just to check. And I was like, no, still miserable. This like really sucks the last time me. you checked, Cole? Uh, Hopefully not recently. <laughs> last Wednesday. No, no, it was. Uh, I check every week. But I just, it was so miserable to me that I just did not have time for it anymore. And and that kind of goes along with a lot of things. Like you might find yourself sort of wanting something, but as soon as you try it, you're like, yeah, that sucks. I'm going the other direction. It feels like you're eating dirt. <laughs> yeah. And I think like one thing too, as you discover the truth of who you are, it looks just like Jesus. So right. it's natural for Jesus you should see very natural for you. It's very natural to love. It's very natural to be peaceful, very natural to be happy. Just sort of like a good sort of litmus test for you to just test whether or not desire is from the Lord or um, not from the Lord is just to measure, once again, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So yeah. when you see yourself in, in, in sort of this lens of this new creation as perfected in Christ, what you feel over your life is one big, fat, green light from heaven to go for it, to run after what the Lord's put in your heart. But, you know, once again, just a really easy, practical litmus test to see whether or not what if you're really following desire of God or maybe some sort of evil or sinful desire is just measure the fruit of the Holy Spirit after you do whatever. And if you see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, increase, well, it's obviously from the Lord. And if it doesn't, if you're seeing decrease, then you might want to change course. Yeah, dude, you know, I just had this thought while you were talking. Like, it just hit me in a fresh way. You know, he, he was saying, you can ask for anything in my name. Well, there's kind of two versions of you, right? It's not that you're walking around with a sinful nature, but there's the shadow fake version of you, the old you, and then there's the real you. So whatever you, the real true mark, the mark that that is uh, aware of his fullness of Christ, like that mark, whatever that mark asks for, the answer is always yes and amen. But if you happen to be thinking or praying from a, an old mindset, then that's not, it's just not going to come to fruition. It's just, it's not that it's yeah. a no, it's just like, yeah. it's like it, it's not even real. It wasn't even really you asking, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know, that's just kind of a thought I had. Yeah, that is cool. I mean, like in general, I mean, there's, there's ways that God operates, maybe in particular instances outside of this, but 
his whole thing is he's constantly endorsing himself in inside of you. So yes. as we stay connected to that, right, you're going to really see the flow of heaven over your life. You're going to see the yeses of heaven over your life. And when he says no, once again, that's just sort of a simple indicator that you're maybe not operating according to the truth of who you are. Yeah, and that kind of reminds me of this too, is like, okay, so maybe you found yourself in a place where you are consistently having desires that you know are not according to your true nature. What's the remedy for that? Well, this is why I love um, in the Psalms, it says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. I would say you are craving something because perhaps you've never truly tasted or maybe you've forgotten how wonderfully sweet the feast of his presence is like when you encounter the pleasure of the lord the the ecstatic experience of his holy spirit you will immediately want more of that and everything else becomes secondary you're just like i don't have time for this other stuff i am too busy getting hammered on the love of god it's a real tangible spirit reality and you will just find that your fake desires begin to wane because you're satisfied in him yeah and with that too like a lot of times people like i just actually use this in my own life like sometimes we demonize certain emotions like we demonize sadness or or discouragement even and hopelessness and to me i don't like get freaked out if i'm starting to experience some of those emotions on the inside of me But just like our body gives us indicators when we're not eating the right food, we can kind of just feel in our physical body, (laughs) things don't feel quite right. I don't quite have the same energy. And all those um, signs are trying to point us back to a healthy lifestyle, to eating right, to exercising. Same thing with our emotions. If you are experiencing any sort of discouragement, hopelessness, sadness towards anything in your life, My thing is I'm not demonizing those feelings, but I'm allowing those feelings to drive me back towards the truth, back towards the embracing of God's presence, back towards just receiving his embrace over my life and allowing him to like minister into the depth of those emotions and to bring life and to bring joy and, and peace no matter what I'm going through. So you mentioned something about God fulfilling his desires in you. And uh, I think that's a really good spot where we can land today is kind of on this thought. There's a there's a really great scripture in Romans 11 where it says all things flow from him, through him, and to him. So if you have Christ in you and you're in Christ, which you are, congratulations, <laughs> like the mind of God is constantly dreaming and it's flowing forth from him. And it's coming through Christ in you, rising up through you. And then as you pray and ask, it's going back to him. And it just completes this circle. So when God has an idea, like for me with music, say, God's like, I have this idea. I want to have a guy running around there named Cole who's really excited about rock music and podcasts and stuff. And then it goes forth and then I'm born and here it, here it comes. Like, this is the stuff that I want to do. This is what I'm excited about. Well, I get to return that back to God because now I am a flesh and blood return on his like investment, so to speak. Like, here I am, God. I'm what you've been dreaming and waiting for. So these desires, uh, like it, like in these scriptures we've read, like they come from God, and we're so quick to dismiss stuff that we think as our imagination or or whatever. When really, like that is 
one of the primary ways that God talks to us is by what we feel and by what we yeah. want, right? Yeah, and I think like too, uh, I'm going to have you share a story really quick. We kind of talked about this beforehand. Yeah. But one thing it becomes impossible to discern, we are absolutely in inseparable union with Christ. <laughs> so there's a point where I don't know where Christ's desire ends and my begins. It becomes impossible to discern, was this God's desire or was this my desire? Like we're in union together. And so things are getting born out of both of our hearts. And so I'm no longer trying to decide to be able to discern, was this God or was this just me? I'm just like, man, it could be me, it could be God, but I know it's good. And and the thing is, is we live in such a free life where we're led by the Spirit, where it doesn't even have to be like us consciously knowing like, oh, this is the Holy Spirit guiding me. But all of a sudden we'll like desire, we'll be able to discern like, a desire pops up and we follow it and then God just like does something amazing in our life. So why don't you like tell the story? I know you were like doing something maybe, I can't remember where it was, but all of a sudden you had like a, a desire for a smoothie or something like that. Yeah, yeah, sure. Real quick, I wanted to respond to you. Like, okay. This thing, it was like, uh, you were saying, I don't know if it's me or if it's God. What I want to ask the question is if it makes for peace and love, does it does it really matter? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. God says, ask for anything if it's going for these things, and it's yours. It really doesn't matter that much. No. And maybe no. he gets excited by that. You know, yeah. he's like, well, I doubt he's going to be like, oh, I didn't think of that. But <laughs> but, but you know what I mean? It's, like, it's just like he wants a bunch of unique people running around because he likes that. Anyway, so so... You know, what we try to do is we try to make it all about this, like, Christianity, saving the planet thing. Sometimes Mark and I, we push back on this idea of, like, only our spirit is good, but everything else about us is bad. But what we want to argue is if you're a whole brand new creation, like, the whole thing uh, begins to move in sync with each other. And even your natural desires and pleasures can actually all kind of lead you in a God direction. So for example, I remember being out with uh, my friend JR and uh, we were having what many people would call an awesome day. Like we were seeing people healed and touched and saved and delivered. And I think a religious mindset would have been like, you got to keep doing that. You got to just keep hammering that thing. But we were like, man, I, I really want a smoothie right now. Like, could you go for a smoothie? Yeah, yeah, let's get a smoothie. And so we, you know, instead of going like, oh, is this what the Lord wants right now? We we just weren't thinking that way. So we just went and bought a smoothie. And while we were in there, we started talking to this lady in line. And before we knew it, we had spent two and a half hours at a table with this lady sobbing and giving her life to Jesus and having all this like deep emotive like love encounter with God because... Not because I said, God, where should I go? And he told me, go to the smoothie store. It's because I wanted a smoothie. Yeah. <laughs> and while at the smoothie place, God did what God does, you know? And so uh, just to not, well, uh, we want to challenge you guys to do is to not be so completely suspicious of of what you want. Yeah. And I would say to that too, because I give people, people always ask for prayer advice or they ask for a specific word from the Lord for certain situations. And a lot of times the scenario goes like this. They'll say, hey, Mark, I'm super excited. I want to go to this college and I want to pursue a career in medicine. Or, hey, Mark, I really want to enroll in acting classes. I really have a passion for acting. But I really don't know, like, if this is something that God really wants for my life. And what I would just want to, like, tell people in that situation, 
for the most part, what I tell them immediately, like, hey, if this is really your heart, you've got a green light towards it and go for it. Pursue it unless all of a sudden you feel a big stop from the Holy Spirit. Like, yeah. <laughs> if, if there's something that's really anti the heart of God in this desire, like he's a big boy, like he'll be able to stop you in your tracks and redirect you. And so we'll always have sort of a, of a sensitivity and openness to the Holy Spirit. But for the most part, like your desire... Uh, for medicine or for acting or for going to this school or for moving to this city or for whatever, <laughs> like those are good things. Like go for it a hundred percent. You don't have to be suspicious of like those things on the inside of you. Yeah. And too, I think as Americans, we are often quite afraid of failure. Um, so that we like to think that perhaps God is afraid of failure too. But I would like to propose that again, like God's so secure in himself to be able to lead us that it is actually completely okay if we make mistakes. I'm not talking about moral failings like it's, yeah, you know, it's okay. Go ahead and cheat on your wife and God will clean it up later. That's not (laughs) what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is like maybe you do choose a career path that's not wise for you, but nothing will be wasted. God can, can reconfigure things. He can move you. And we think that if we fall flat on our face, that somehow God's not in it with us, that somehow, you know, it's not blessed or favored by God. Well, the thing is, like, if you look at Jesus's life from a purely human context, it sure didn't look like God's favor was on him yeah. when he got crucified by the Romans and, you know, brutally tortured. That looks like, wow, I, I wonder if Jesus was perhaps a little delusional there. But, you know, ultimately, like, in the whole context of his life story, you see that, yeah, it was very much God and it, the whole thing was vindicated. It's okay if you fall flat on your face because your desire led you there. Because God is with you in that. And there might be all kinds of things that he's teaching you and working in you and it's okay to fail. So so let's just throw that idea away that if I if God is leading me to do it, that it is just instantly going to be this massive success and yeah. it's going to be super obvious to everyone, <laughs> especially you. Yeah, it's, it doesn't need to be that way. Yeah. And uh, yeah, when you said cities and stuff, I'm going to say this now because I don't tell people this too often because you need this whole context of this conversation. But when people are like, so what led you to Cleveland? <laughs> Katie and I always laugh because I'm not sure that we really necessarily felt led. We just yeah. thought it sounded like a really fun time. <laughs> we like hearing about all these people, you know, living within a few blocks of each other in the inner city, just praying together every day and throwing parties and loving on homeless people and loving on the neighbors around them and stuff. And we were like, that sounds like so much fun. That sounds like something that really makes for joy. Uh, let's just do it. And we did. And did we hit some snags? Absolutely. We hit some snags and I couldn't necessarily sit here and tell you that I'm a hundred percent convinced that that's exactly what God wants us to do. But I can tell you that I made one of my best friends on the planet sitting right next to me right now. And I have what we're doing right now, like the people we're with, I wouldn't trade it for anything. And so Maybe we did make the wrong move, but yeah. God just totally made it something so special. So Any decision that involves being my friend is the right move. <laughs> That's yes. just truth. And I want to just reiterate too, like uh, here's soup, something super practical that like 99% of the time when I'm making trying to make a decision about something I'm supposed to do, whether it's a job, career, life change, relationship, whatever – 
Uh, one of the, like the probably the primary method that I use to sort of discern the heart of God is just like Cole moving to Cleveland. Do I get excited in my heart about it? Does this something like sound like something I want to jump into? Does my heart um, sort of leap at the possibility? So same thing with me. I moved from Minneapolis, Minnesota to Cleveland, and I did so. I didn't hear an audible voice of the Lord. I didn't get ten thousand prophetic confirmations like this is where I was supposed to go. I just felt a genuine enthusiasm and excitement towards moving to Cleveland. And that was so bizarre to me because I was like, I've never thought about Cleveland ever in my life. This is so out of like <laughs> left field. For real, yeah. Good or bad. I just didn't think <laughs> yeah, about dude, Cleveland yeah, really. Yeah, yeah, and right. all of a sudden like, I'm excited to go to Cleveland and I'm just like, okay, that's yes. where I'm going to go. All right, this is our last point. I want to keep talking. We're going to wrap this up. I know, I know. I've but, got a few but your, more things, your but mom, we'll stop. Your mom's going to kill us oh, if we keep talking. Oh, my mom will be on me. <laughs> uh, my, my favorite patron saint, St. Marie Kondo of Netflix is tidying up. Uh, oh, yes. she, she talks about how, you know, her whole, her whole thing is to, uh, she has people go through each and every one of their items and she asks them this question, does this spark joy for you? And a lot of times... People initially in the process are like, I don't know. I don't even know what the difference is. I mean, I wear it because I have to. Like, But they, she says, as you go through this, your senses of what sparks joy in you will become attuned. And so uh, if that sounds scary to you, what we're talking about, it's like just start with the small because you'll start to recognize quickly the difference between... Like, you would be so fun as if we rolled up to McDonald's right now, bought eight Big Macs, and crammed them down tonight. Like <laughs> that type of joy versus, oh my gosh, I feel this electric like expectancy of what God could do if I moved to Cleveland. You'll start to get a sense for like, yeah, that's the kind of joy that God is talking about. And so instead of always having to stop and ask God, is this your will? Walter Lanyon wrote this book called The Laughter of God. He has this amazing quote that blew my mind. He said, the way the body works is if we're the body of Christ, a brain, um, you don't have to tell your arm out loud, I want you to move and grab the cup of coffee. No, it flows seamlessly as a signal from your brain into your hand. And you don't even have to think even consciously, I'm going to grab this cup of coffee. So that is the level of union with God that we're talking about, is it's so deep-seated within us that we will just find ourselves moving and being used by God so even subconsciously. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that a lot. I want to say more, but we should probably <laughs> All right, give here. us your one last point. This is your uh, big takeaway. This, you got to uh, give me one takeaway. <laughs> I've got five. <laughs> Can you, no, can I can you do go one. through them quickly? Or? No, no, okay. I can't. <laughs> it's I another five-hour conversation. This is probably, you know, this is a good point to land. And it's sort of reharping the same point. But, like, there was a, a time in my life where I was, like, praying whether or not I should continue a job that I was working. And honestly, I kind of felt like, I kind of just felt in my heart I wanted to quit. But once again, I sort of wanted to measure it with the Lord. He actually kind of directed me to this job. And so I was just sort of, like, simply praying about it. But one of the, like, the things that God gives to us is an imagination. And once again, there's sometimes a fear with us as Christians about using our imagination because we kind of think like our imagination isn't real. 
but it's an absolutely powerful tool that God can use in our lives. So I've given this advice to other people too, but one thing I love to do is just, I like to imagine myself making the decision both ways. So with this job, I imagined myself making the decision to stop doing it and sort of measured what did my heart experience and feel making that decision. I also made the decision to keep doing the job and try to sort of measure, feel what my heart felt keep to keep working this job. Well, it felt horrible. It felt like, oh my gosh, I couldn't do this job anymore. I'll, I just need to get out of this job. I'll bleep it out, but was it cables? It was <laughs> I'll bleep it out. The best popcorn. <laughs> we should do a that just to make up for it. <laughs> but... On the other on the other spectrum, to just say no to the job, I could feel my entire spirit, body, just soul, everything said yes. Oh my gosh, yeah, that's what I want to do. And so it was just sort of a simple confirmation to me that that's the direction I was supposed to go. And that's all the thoughts I have about everything that we said today. <laughs> that is that is really 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 good, man. Yeah, even even just. Uh... What we're not talking about is like an, an impulsiveness, but it's like it, it's just a constant sort of dialogue and like mm-hmm. just feeling it out, testing it out. And if you if you do all these things, all your dreams will come true. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. So uh, we want to say thanks again, Justin. I hope that was a satisfactory answer to your question. If not, I don't know how we could possibly. We're gonna do, do another podcast. <laughs> yep, we will just do another podcast. We'll just about do it again and again. Yeah, and if you uh, find yourself like, man, that was cool. Like that dude just got to steer an entire episode, and you want to do that, feel free to hop on our Patreon, and I believe it starts at twenty five bucks a month and up. So, <laughs> yes, please, and then you can send us your questions. Grease the wheel, and we can make that happen for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, I'm not saying we accept it. Rides. I'm just saying, like, a little cash never hurts. You know? We will say whatever you want us to say, yes, yes. just as long as you're willing to pay for it. Hey, I mean, if you subscribe to the 500 a month, we might just turn this into a Satanist podcast. Yeah. <laughs> if the Lord wills. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for joining us, everybody. I hope you had a great time, and I guess we have to say goodbye as sad as that is. Yeah. So, goodbye. See you next year in Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs>